we're on part five of the power of a thankful heart. Okay, who here over the last five weeks or four weeks, you feel your heart getting more and more thankful? Is there anyone? More? Some of you I know you're visiting today. That's a testimony. I mean, seriously, because when we engage the Word of God and we start to listen, I've been hearing more and more. I just got to tell you something. I'm telling you, God God is working. And, I, you know, sometimes you think pastors are supposed to say that. Pastor, I don't know. But you know what? God is really working in this area. I'm getting emails and phone calls. Uh, people on the web are contacting me. And like that, and, and just to be that witness and, and to know that God is alive and well, and he wants to stir our hearts, and he wants us to have a thankful heart toward him. And when we do, things change. Things change. They change to God's glory. They change within our heart. The next thing you know, we see people differently. We see things differently. Before you know it, we have a testimony and a witness on our mouth. Amen? Amen. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for time that you've given us. Lord, I have the vantage point, not quite like you, but when I'm up here and I can just look across the people that you've brought this way to see their smiles, to see to see that every single person you brought here, you appointed, you anointed for this time to hear your word, to fellowship with your people, Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We're claiming this moment for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So God's sighting, the God sighting I want to share today is a Christmas uh, party we had with the adults. And uh, it, was a, it was a neat party. I, for, I forgot to take pictures until we left, <laughs> kind of like, so I, I only have a few pictures, but that's okay. But we all gathered together for an adult Christmas party and had a great time. Um, we did a little Christmas exchange dice thing. The dice were this big, and it was it was just fun. It was a blast. Um, as we were talking and sharing within our our group and within within the party, um, we had a time which I won't share any of it. But we had a time of sharing what we were thankful for, as as adults that were there. And oh my, was that sweet, wasn't it, Trish? Oh my goodness, God is good. Again, just you can just you can just tell God is stirring up our hearts, and we are thankful. Um, I have to get a selfie because I'm the one always taking the picture. So, selfie, okay. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. First Thessalonians five sixteen. I noticed some of you had your hand raised. You're going to start memorizing that scripture. Is anyone doing that currently? Do you have that? You wrote it down or you're memorizing it? Yeah, I see some heads. Okay. Keep going. Keep it up. Hide this word. Hide God's word in your heart. For that is what will make us thankful and give us thanks within our heart. And so as we look through the past uh, four weeks, we talked about a thankful heart is eternal. I'll get that out. Not external. It's eternal. Everything that we do today, really, it's an eternity, even though we don't quite think about that. And I hope, I know it reminds me sometimes when I say something or go to say something that's not maybe so edifying or encouraging. I I just, I don't know, not all the time. I'm getting better. (laughs) But, you know, my mouth stops because I realize I'm speaking into eternity. I could affect something I say today 
can affect someone's life tomorrow. I mean, I'm aware of that. It really can. The Bible says our words justify our life. They go before us. And then we talked about God's attributes, that, that there is not a man or woman alive that does not know that God is real, that, that cannot see his very attributes through his creation. And then we talked about how the Bible tells us, especially in Psalms 100, the whole Bible does, but Psalms tells us to express that glory, to express, you know, how do you really feel about Jesus? How do you really feel about in your heart? Now, you think about it. If we had a mirror and everyone, I said, okay, everyone take out your mirror and look at you right now. And the expression on your face, if it expressed the love of Christ, what would that look like? Okay, I just check it. Okay, so, but he says to enter his courts with praise in our mouth, to enter the gates, to enter his courts and his gates, to enter into this place with a, with a thankful heart, but expressing that thank, thanksgiving. Seriously, expressing it. And, and so God desires that we express his love and his grace, and it all does overflow from our hearts. And then we realize that a thankful heart really begins the day of salvation. We're going to talk more about that later. And then I did, I, I did a little side note uh, a couple weeks ago when I talked about a religious spirit tries to steal our thankfulness. And, you know, really in the Bible, there, I, I don't know, I can't think of anything right offhand, that specifically says or mentions a religious spirit. And really it's a little more biblical or more biblical to say a pharisaical spirit. Something Because Jesus constantly uh, looked at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he says, you know, you try to look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're not so good. You're not so clean. You try to be godly or appear godly on the outside, but on the inside, you know, you're not so godly. And the bottom line is why I mentioned that right in the middle of this series is, is so that we're careful that, that as we are seeking uh, God seeking his word and, and, and allowing his word and his grace and his love to give us a heart that's thankful, that will overflow and give those testimonies, give a witness to him. As we are doing that, or as we are seeking that, sure enough, the world, the devil, and people, and sometimes our flesh, kind of, I, I summed it up as a religious spirit, will try to come and steal that joy. They'll try to say, no, 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 why are you so happy? Well, what do you mean you tithe to the church? Or what do you mean? You know, it seems like when the more the joy of the Lord sometimes, the more things try to come against us. Well, be aware of that, you know? And also be aware of that in our everyday life. You know, when, when we're praying for our family or we're praying uh, for our employment or whatever we might be doing, when we're, when we're driving down Highway 27 and someone cuts, it off, cuts us off, you know, just kind of like, uh, shut the mouth and, and hold the heart. Where Christ has us, you know, don't let these things that that say that they're of God or want to steal our joy away. Be prayerful, be thankful. And so there was a little side note there. All right. And then the true power of thanksgiving is this found in John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's it. There's only one true God. Again, the world might try to tell us differently. And I know sometimes we set up little G-gods in our life. So, uh, you can call it idols. You can call it whatever you want, right? Uh, and I know that. But bottom line is, the only true God is found in Jesus Christ. 
That's why you hear so much about Jesus here. That's why you hear so much about his love and his grace. And it's taking his love and receiving that into our life and then living that out to glorify God. And that's the bottom line. That really is. And how all that plays out sometimes is interesting. Take a look at this short video. Have you ever thought much why the Bible talks about Jesus being the Prince of Peace? Have you ever thought about that? You know, um, that's another three sermons some other time. But I mean, really, just for this morning, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, you know, we, we read in John 17 and some of the scripture we looked at over the last several weeks, that Jesus said that he came, that he might give us peace, that we might have peace that we might have peace fulfilled. And I, I know sometimes that can be hard to grab. And, um, you know, I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at. It was very late in life when, when that actually hit me. And it didn't really make sense. Someone, you know, several times, I guess, tried to tell me about Jesus prior to my salvation day, the day I repented and believed in Christ. Um, it was really quite foolish to me. And the Bible says that it is foolishness to those who are perishing. Well, I'm no different. When people try to tell me about Jesus, uh, I never did hear much because I always shut them down. I always looked at them like they were crazy. What do you mean? Jesus, he died for, for me. What, what do you, and I'd slam doors in their face, and Trisha's a witness to that. Who is that? And she could always tell at the door, depending on how loud the door slammed. You know, people at the door knocking, and I'm going, what in the world? Always was such foolishness until that day that a pastor, in this case, uh, I went to church. Most of you know my testimony. The one and only time I went to church, just like this. It'd be no different than walking in those doors for the first time ever going to church. I walked in, and I heard the gospel. A pastor shared God's word with me, and the word of God was revealed to me by the Spirit of God. I know now. As it was happening, I was like, what's happening? Kind of like that testimony I told you. What is this? But I knew it was God. 
and he spoke into my heart, and he spoke the truth. I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And even though it didn't make sense, I knew it was true. It didn't completely make sense. I don't know that many, many, many years later, 25 plus, that it still makes total sense today. And, and you know, I think if we think we got a grasp on it, then I think we're really in heaven, and we just don't know it yet because uh, we are not perfected. We will not figure it all out. So stop trying, some of us, right? Stop, stop it. <laughs> you know, stop overthinking it, right? So let's go a little more and look at John 17. I, wrote, I took the liberty of doing this because, you know, again, it just would take a long, long time. Um, but these are the, the things that Jesus said in John 17. And I want to just briefly speak them. You can see them on the PowerPoint. I'm going to speak them a little slower so those listening on the web can grab it at the same time. And if you're driving and you're listening right now on the web, I mean, pull over. Don't, don't try to, you know. But anyway, so here's what he says, and the verses are on the right. It says this, Jesus said, I have manifested God's attributes. The, the parentheses are, are mine. You know, he didn't say that. I'm just trying to bring it out. But Jesus said, I have manifested God's attributes. Jesus came, God in the flesh, the word of God came, that literally the very attributes of, of God would be seen. I know we've seen his, we see his attributes through creation. I, I understand that. I realize that. But Jesus makes a statement that he came to manifest his attributes. What does he mean? He lived without sin. He lived a godly life, a true godly life. And you might think, well, of course he did. He's the son of God. And of course he did. He's the son of God. However, however, as a born-again believer, I'm an heir of Christ. And I strive to be Christ-like. So we are, too, to manifest this. Another, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. And then he, that was verse 6. And then he says, I have given, given them the words that God gave him, Jesus said. Jesus said, I pray so that those who believe are one with us. I kept them in your name. He said, I speak your love that my joy can be fulfilled in them. He said, I have given them the word, that's twofold, the word in the flesh, Christ, and the word, his word, the living word, all right? Um, even though this is words written on paper, this is the living word. I mean, it just really, really is. All right, and then I have sent them into the world. I have sanctified myself that they might be sanctified, and I desire to glorify you. For sake of time this morning, I'm going to break this down just into four elements. But grab that for a moment. Look up there and grab that for a moment. Why did Christ come? Well, this is a prayer that he prayed just before he went to the cross. So, so he, if you will, is summarizing for us. I mean, I, I know that's what he's doing. He's taken and he's allowing us to see. It's just before he's crucified. It's just before he ascends into heaven. And he, he goes to the Father and he prays his prayer. He makes sure that it's recorded, that we can see and that we can hear and that we can know why exactly did Jesus come? Right? Why exactly did he come? And this is why. To manifest God. To give us God's word. To show us and to pray for us. To keep us and to uh, give us the opportunity to receive salvation. He spoke of his love. And 
and he's very clear that that he came that his joy, our joy, might be complete, full within him. That thankful heart. Okay. So I just want to talk about, well, you know what? First, I want to talk about this. All right, who can read that? Someone, if you'll stand and please read that. That, oh, oh, you want me to read? I don't know. It's all Greek to me, my friend. <laughs> um, there's a sentence on Greek on the PowerPoint slide, and uh, you know it's interesting. You know why I threw that up there? Not to impress you with my Greek because I don't speak Greek. Um, but it is interesting that if you think about it, right, I mean, th- you know, the Bible wasn't written in English. I mean, I know we know that, but just hear me out, right? The Bible wasn't written in English or wasn't written in Spanish. It wasn't, you know, and, and we, you know, if we were to try to, if we, I had a Bible that was all Greek, um, I would not be standing before you right now if I had to try to read Greek and, and, and interpret it from the Greek. I mean, I just couldn't do it, you know, just to say. But look what this says out of John 17, 19. It says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may, may be sanctified by the truth. So what you're seeing is the Greek, the way it's written in the uh, original Greek, and then how it's translated in this case, which I'm sorry, I didn't note that. It's New King James. Um, how it's translated. Well, I wanted to point this out because, number one, I know that this is me saying this. I, th- I think you could back this up biblically, but hear me out. Why did Christ come? I mean, we, we, we heard his prayer to manifest God, to give us the word, to give us, to be the bridge between us and God, to reconcile man to God that we might have salvation. I mean, we, we, we know that, and that's the bottom line. That's the ultimate reason. That's why Christ came. And then I came across this sentence and I'm looking, and Christ came to interpret for God, his love. I mean, I don't want to say that love's an independent language of God, and I don't want to say that God's language is independent in and of itself, meaning God does not have a specific language. I mean, you can't, you can't say, well, there's Greek, there's Hebrew, there's English, there's Spanish, and then there's God. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. God doesn't have a specific language. God is every language. And so when we talk about the love of God, why did Christ came? Christ came to interpret to us God's love. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that. It seems very simple. But if you think about it, you know, we've really hit hard these past several weeks Without Christ, we cannot ultimately know the love of God. Remember last week, I had a couple of people approach me on this, which I'm glad. It's awesome. When I made the statement, you know, can can you love God without knowing Jesus? And I said the answer was, yes, you can love God without knowing Jesus. But it depends on how you define love. Because you cannot know the love of God outside of the love of Christ. Because Christ came to reconcile us to interpret to us his love. And without receiving that love of Christ and what he did, what God did, the word became flesh, we can never know the one and true God. 
outside of a relationship with Christ. I know that can be difficult for some. I understand. I understand. If you have a question in that area, please approach me. Email me. Approach me live. Text me. Do something. I'll be more than happy just to walk, talk, and pray. It doesn't mean that I'm going to try to give you my answer. I'm just I'm going to try to walk with you in the answer that God gives us. And then God's the only one that can really reveal to us the truth. That was interesting to me. So here, here breaking it down, I wanted to just look at this. God desires we manifest his name. Do we manifest his name? Okay. God, Jesus came to give us what God gave him. And he, he said to the Father, I gave them, me, in my case, I'm a born-again believer. He gave me, Jesus gave me, what God gave Jesus. You with me? His word, his truth, his love, his grace. Do I manifest that in my life? Do I share that? Do I testify to it? Or, or now, you know, let's not beat this up, but just hear me out so I can make myself clear. Or do I, I let people say, well, you know, you can't say Jesus in public. What are you doing? Well, you know what? You can't say Jesus in your workplace, and you can't share your faith, and you can't this, and you can't that. That's that religious spirit. You know what? Do you manifest Christ in your life? Is he in your life, and do you manifest him? Because that's a sure fruit and a sure sign, if you will, that you truly are a born-again believer if you manifest Christ. Because he makes it clear. He came and he put that manifestation within us if we repented and believed. And then the question becomes, God desires we pray for others. Do we pray for others? Do you find yourself praying for others or at others? <laughs> do you pray for others or do you pray at others? Oh, no. Um, I, mean, I don't think it's because I'm a, I, I'm a pastor. Who, and I'm not saying I've never done something like this. But hear me out. Has anyone here ever heard someone say, well, okay. Like I'm going to say it so it doesn't sound like I'm cursing. Hold on a minute. Um, I must have heard it 20 times in two weeks. Um, like, like I heard this parent talking to a child. Well, for the love of God, if you do that one more time, I swear. And I'm going, what? No, no, don't. And, and she, <laughs> she, it ain't funny. It ain't funny. But she sees me going like this, like that. And she goes, she looks at me and goes, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, oh, my goodness. Do you know what you're really saying? And she just looked at me. I said, no, not for the love of God. Don't, don't curse. Now, you might think someone come up and slap me. I've been slapped twice, but not. I really have. You laugh. <laughs> oh, three times. Trisha's reminding me. Yeah, well, twice was, two times was from the same lady. So I don't know if that counts. But I've been slapped three times. Yeah, I really have. And man, I tell you what, it hurt. I was just going, and I did, I, did, I, did, I did the godly thing, I went, and I mean that. I'm not trying to be silly. I went, <gasps> because we are not at war against flesh and blood. And, and there was no reason to slap me like they did, but they were hurting. And hurting people hurt people. We are not at war against flesh and blood. Remember that religious spirit I just hit? Let me hit this. Grab this. Grab this, people. Grab this, Pastor Tony. Listen, stop trying to fight people. You'll never win that war. You will never win a war of selfishness. You'll never win a war of I'm right, you're, you're wrong. You'll never, ever. Come on, sometimes you agree to disagree, 
But, you know, think about it. The ones that you've never really forgiven, well, yes, I have, but you still don't talk to them today. And think about all that stuff. Maybe even during the Christmas time, sometimes this stuff comes up. A family member that you just dread if they're going to come over. They don't come over anymore because they're just a big issue, right? Come on. Who who has ever had something like that? Raise your hand in your life because I don't want to. I'm just going, okay. We are not at war against flesh and blood. Sometimes I know it feels like it. Sometimes I know, but you take that deep breath and you go, please don't go. Not you go. Please don't go. Oh, I swear, or so help me God. We just, when those things come out, we don't have a clue what we're really saying. We really don't. And you know what? Don't be pious. Don't be, don't, you know, we're not God, I know. But if you ever hear things like that, if you can, in love, respond to it. Because I know that mom did not want to curse her kids. I mean, I didn't go up to her and you go, well, you silly, what in the world? But I know she didn't. That's why I responded to it. Now, I realize, and this maybe is not a good example, because I really was going, ah, I didn't even want, I mean, I physically went, ah, and she saw me. Then I knew I was committed to say something, or she could have, whatever, you know. So, respond to those things. And if someone ever calls you on it, just take a deep breath either, or two, and, you know, no. God's grace is too good to to use it for cursing people. Um, God's desire desires the joy Jesus has given us to overflow to others. And if the joy of the Lord is in us truly, uh, it will overflow. It really will. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks out of the abundance of who I am. Uh, I know that for me, I'm always very happy, never negative in my trash. I never get angry, and I never, I know that. But for you to hear today, this morning, uh, <laughs> you, ever, you go in seasons of times, uh, usually, right? You know, things are going so good, and then slam, something in life just comes up and slaps you. I mean, it just does. Sometimes it's like a two-by-four. Sometimes it's like, and, 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 and by the grace of God, though, you know, um, I mean, I, I really do appreciate it if Trish says, you know, did you really, why are you getting upset? And, and me to her, too. And there's people in this room that we've had that kind of communication, have we not? What's going on? Why are you upset? Why did you act that way? Why? And, it's, and it's, it's not because I'm anyone or if you were talking to me. It's because together we want to glorify God and together we want to grow. And then through the John 17 talk and series and his word, God desires we glorify him by living his word through our life. And that's a for real thing. And then do you have a thankful heart? Are you content? So here's, here's all I'm saying is this. Listen to the tail end. If of John 17, it says this. I'm going to start John 17, 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So this is Jesus speaking. Um, I've read this scripture three times now, so that's why I'm just jumping right into it this morning. I am not, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We live in a world that wants to convince us otherwise. And some of you might think, Pastor Tony, why do you keep slamming the world? 
Why do you keep, you know, I feel like I'm pretty decent. I'm not constantly, you know, just yak, yak, yak about the world and, oh, it's doomsday and, you know, we're all going to die. And um, you understand what I'm saying? But I, why, do I, why do I talk about the world? Why do I talk about being careful? Why do I talk about we're not at war against flesh and blood? Why do I talk about there's a, a, a spirit of religion that wants to call God, every little God that's out there, you know, God is who you want God to be. Why do I mention those things? Well, Jesus himself says this in verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just like I am not of the world. Now, you want to really be kind of crazed out here? Unless you're a student of the word and kind of understand some things about salvation and whatnot, if you think about it, I'm a born-again believer. I've repented of my sin. I have put my trust in Christ as my Savior. I am an heir of a living God. He says clearly in his word, I am no longer a part of this world. Now, what in the world? What do you mean? I'm standing. Pastor Tony, you better go get checked out. You're standing right before us. And yes, you're in this world. No, my body is. But spiritually, I no longer am a part of this world. Spiritually, I'm a part of God's world. Eternity forever with him. I'm no longer in this world. You know, and if we look at that, if we think about that, we put together two things this morning. This is what I wanted to hit, and and then we're going to wrap up, you know. This is what I wanted to hit. We are not at war against flesh and blood. Stop trying to fight the flesh in you, and stop trying to fight others in things that they do, things that they say, things that you think they should do, things that you don't think they should do. I mean, you know, I've I've talked about that before. Um, You ever want to grow up fast, just have a trade day with a pastor because everyone has, I'm just going to say it, okay, what they think things should be, you know. Too hot, too cold, too loud, too, too, too soft. You should have this. You shouldn't have that. You shouldn't do this. You should do that. And I'm going, this is awesome. I mean, I can't wait for Sunday. I tell church, I can't wait just to hear what some you, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm going somewhere. But you know what I'm saying. Think about it. But we're not at war against flesh and blood. We're not at war against one another. We'll never win that war. Okay. So then we take that snapshot, and then we take what God has for us when he says we are no longer in this world. To me, I think about that, I pray about it, and I receive it because it helps me to understand that I'm not at war against the flesh if I realize I'm no longer a part of this world, but I'm in Christ. You with me? Does that make sense? I'm seeing some looks. I'm just one more little qualification. I'm going to see if this helps just a little bit. Okay. So uh, I've been to Nicaragua, Managua specifically, on mission trips. And when I go there, very few people speak English, at least where we go. We go into the barrios, which is crazy. There's like literally people say some. There's like 10,000 people that will live in a half square mile. Some people, they'll go, no, that's crazy. I'll get on Google Earth, and I'll go watch me, and I'll zoom down right there in these little barrio areas, areas where people live, you know, in a seven-square-foot area, and there's a family that live under, anyway, it's crazy. And, um, but I just got to tell you, you know, 
when I go on that trip, it, 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 it's kind of, to me, I go there, I don't speak a lot of Spanish, very, very little. And it's hard to communicate. It's hard to even grab the living conditions. It's hard to understand, you know, like when I have a sandwich, I mean, I, I don't there, but I mean, you know, it'd be really easy to eat half of it and go on full and throw it on the ground when people literally would do anything for a half of a sandwich. You, you know what I'm saying? It's a different world. It, and, and it's hard to grab. It's hard to conceptualize unless you really have gone there. So is such the kingdom of heaven. We can talk about it. We can speak about it. We can share the word of God. We can share his love. But when God says we are no longer a part of this world, he means it. We are no longer a part of this world. We're in a different world, a world where we need to grow closer to him and draw closer to him, a world where we need to understand his word. And the more we draw close to God and the more we receive his word, the more we meditate on his word, the more we realize we are not at war against flesh and blood. We'll never win that battle. But God is on our side. His anointing is on our side. His empowerment is on our side. His word is on our side. His wisdom is on our side. His knowledge is on our side. And as we live this life, the more we mature in him, the more we realize how much his love really is for those we meet, for our family, for our friends, for those at racetrack, for those at dollar store just down here. And I want that life. I I try to live that life. I'm serious. That's the life I want. I don't want this constant turmoil and fight and confusion and hurt and pain. I want one which God goes before me, which still has stuff in it, on. So how do we wrap up today? Well, actually, I'm, I'm summarizing, if you will, the last several weeks. And you know, the thing is, it's right here. Why did I spend four weeks talking about John 17, basically, where Christ has come, his mission on this earth is complete as, as the word became flesh, He's soon to be crucified, buried, but he's going to rise again, right? But so why did I spend four weeks prior to Christmas time talking about Jesus Christ just before he's going to die? You think about this, be put to death. Really? Yeah, I mean, get what I'm saying? Well, the reason why is because I'm praying and I'm hoping, and I know it's God's desire that he would put within us a, a much more appreciation for his birth. That we realize we all have been born. You're here. You all have a purpose. And and I don't know, for most of the times I think, I mean, I'm just going to say it. I'm, in my realm, most people don't know their purpose. They're always asking me, well, if I only knew God's purpose for my life, if I only, you know, if, if I only knew God's will. I really do. I really do believe this. I don't make a statement so bold like this too much, but I, I really do believe this. I know exactly what God's purpose is for my life. I know what his will is for my life. I know what his plan is for my life. I really do. 
It didn't just happen that day I was saved. I mean, it is something where he said, sanctify them by their truth, meaning to, to take your truth, Jesus, and to grow, Tony, in this case, in your word and your wisdom. Make him more righteous. Make him more like me. Father, make, make Tony more like me to look more like you. And it, it kind of hurts my heart. Not kind of. I don't know how to say that. It breaks my heart sometimes when I hear people say, well, what's God's will? What's his purpose? What's his plan? When all along, it lies before you in a manger. It really does. For Christ, just before he prayed and left, was crucified, buried, and rose again. We turn back time. Don't you wish some of us could do that? You wish sometimes you could turn back time? I mean, you know, go back to a different time. Go back, man, I wish that never happened or whatever. But in this case, we turn back time all the way to his birth. A birth that brought hope, that brought brought reconciliation for us to God, between us and God. Prior to that, 400 years of silence. The word of God still spoken, not received, not heard. And then Christ comes. That you and I might, for eternity, repent and believe. It's awesome. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Verse 10 says again, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We come to a place where we repent. It's because God has put that within us. He's the one that reveals to us our need to be saved by his word. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. I remember when I heard those words for the first time. I remember well. I remember it like it was yesterday. I got a. I got this DVD in my mind. I can even see it. A pastor standing just like this, looking at me, saying, Tony, do you believe you're a sinner? And I already knew in my heart that I was, and well, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3.23. Did you know that, Tony? No. No. Well, do you understand what I'm saying? No. First time I ever went to church, I don't understand a word you're saying. But something in my heart, something something I know now was the Spirit of God and the Word of God. I knew it was true. I knew I was a sinner separated from God. I knew it. And then that pastor said, well, Tony, in Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know Christ Jesus? No. He said, well, do you understand what I'm saying? I had no clue what he was saying. What he, he, he's talking about God's son dying for my sin. And what do you mean the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord? And in my heart, and the words came out of my mouth when he said, do you understand? I said, no, I don't. But I, but I know it's true. 
I know it's true. And then he shared one other scripture, Romans 10, 9, right here. I share this all the time, I guess because it's so close to me. There are other scriptures that talk about salvation. This is so dear to me, this, this is specific one. For if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he looked at me, that pastor, he shared that scripture, and he looked at me, Pastor Don, and he goes, Tony, do you understand? I didn't understand. I mean, you know what I mean. I didn't, like, understand. But I knew in my heart it was true. And I know right then, um, I, I, I put my trust in Christ as my Savior. Right then and there. We uh, had a scripture um, I think Heather must have had Ryan put it up or whatever it might be. The scripture that makes a lot of sense is Revelation 3.20. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And it's a picture of Jesus knocking at the door of your heart. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. God will never force his word into your life. Please don't wait for the moment where God's going to tell you when to be saved. I mean, tell you when to be saved. Because he desires to share with you and to love you for, for his word that you understand and believe, repent and believe. He'll never impose himself on you. You know what's crazy about that? Oh, if you will. <laughs> it's not crazy. But you know what's interesting about Revelation 3.20? I think it works and for un people to understand about salvation. Behold, I stand at the door, your, your heart, and knock. If anyone hears my word and opens the door and lets me in, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Makes sense for salvation. It helps us to understand Jesus is on the outside. He desires to be on the inside. If we open the door and let him in, he will. Right? Do you know that's actually, that verse is being spoken to believers? not to people that are not saved. It's being spoken to believers. I mean, I think it's okay for people to understand that are not, not believers to understand Christ's love, but it's actually being spoken to believers. So you who believe this morning, Jesus is standing on the outside of your heart. I'm not saying he's not in your heart, but his desire is that his word, the word of God, will sanctify you and make you righteous of him. And we have those areas where we've shut that door and we've not allowed his word to speak and we've not allowed his love to give grace. So open your hearts, even as a believer this morning, open your hearts to his word, to his love, to his grace. Share the Christmas story. Amen. Amen.